Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, And we've got our undrafted free agent review of the defensive side of the ball. We got nine guys, four defensive tackles, uh, an edge who got a sack on a Kemakwanu, a couple safeties who may be the most fun players in this group, and a couple corners. Justin, uh, Bradbury got cut, Kayvon got five, we got some other news. To, if This would be really exciting if this was the middle of June. It's like, got three nice little pieces of news that hit on the show, but because we're so wrapped up in the draft still, it feels like, eh, you know, oh yeah, James Bradbury got cut, I forgot about that. Hey, Bobby Skinner, I feel like we're putting the draft to bed with this episode, right? I know we have a mailbag coming up, so we're going to revisit it, but kind of officially, we're putting it to bed a little bit, right, with this episode? Yeah, just like, just like full analysis, you know, we'll have the mailbag out on Friday, We'll have Dan Schneier on uh, sometime next week, possibly to talk about him, talk about it with him. But that, yeah, I mean the like official like grinding, going through prospects part of it's over. Also, thank me. Um, I went to the Meadowlands racetrack this past weekend to ensure that Chris Mara's horse would not win the Kentucky Derby. I did what I had to do. He was looking good there for a second. You should want his horse to win so he spends more time on that and less time with the uh, I just don't want good things to happen to him, which is kind of bad. But uh, that's what I did this week, and I'm doing good. Happy to be here talking some Giants. We're getting back to our Tuesday-Friday routine. How are you doing, brother? I'm doing all right. Before we get into it, this episode was brought to you by some special freaking people. We got Jared Smyers. His wiener's got a fir- first name. It's O-S-C-A-R, second name Smyers. Oh. Daruv Amin, he's the administrator of this show. Uh, Chris, who his name is Chris, no longer in St. Pete. Thanks for clearing that up for us, Chris. Can I tell a backstory to Chris no longer in St. Pete? Go for it. Chris no longer in St. Pete, when I was doing Twitter spaces with some friends during the season, got really mad at me because I didn't let him into a Twitter space. And then I got really mad at him because I think that's kind of a foolish thing to get upset about. To uh, I didn't I didn't pick you to go on like to get your turn. But we made immense, and now Chris no longer in St. Pete is a Patreon member, so I appreciate you, Chris. We got Simon Linforth, who's from England. Maybe we'll get to see him uh, sometime soon. Ooh. We got Andre Barata, who's from Portugal. Probably not going to get to see him anytime soon no. unless you want to come. Tough. Andrew Spagnola, who's Steve Spagnola's uh, son, and then yeah. Shane O'Brien, who's our boss's John Boy's son. Justin, who are these people? Andrew... We follow each other on Instagram. Funny because I thought that he was related to the Spagnola family, but I don't know if he is tough. Maybe he is. I don't know. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. All these wonderful people, Chris no longer in St. Pete and Andrew, they went to Patreon.com backslash Talking Giants. Trails month plus by the tears. You get to hang out with us live while we record the shows. Bobby Skinner will send you some stickers, magnets, and twice a month you get entered into some shirt raffles. Patreon.com slash Talking Giants. Love you. All right, Justin, we're going to get into the UDFAs. I kind of regret doing the James Bradbury thing for a Thursday show because, of course, we're going to talk about it once the news actually happened. Um, Shane made us sweat a little bit. He said it'd be done by the end of the week. It was done on Monday. This was, I mean, this was obvious at this point. It just, it's about rebuilding. It's smart to do, but it, it does suck going into this year with no reliable cornerback, too. You know, and it'd be one thing if this is Patrick Graham who, is maybe a little better at hiding weak spots than where Wink is a little more balls to the wall, where if once we get that corner, it's going to be fun to have Wink Martindale. But this, I just feel like this secondary is going to struggle a lot this year. But again, they are building for the future, and Bradbury just wasn't part of that. Yeah, and if the secondary struggles, then does Wink Martindale struggle? 
Because I think one of the sure things that we're walking into this year saying is we have Wink Martindale. We have one of the more proven defense coordinators in the NFL. But if that secondary isn't sure, now let's also do a little bit of a comparison here, too. We're saying that the secondary isn't sure and, you know, it, maybe it doesn't have a lot of depth and it's not the most talented. Let's do a little comparison to 2019. It's more. It's better than that, right? I mean, it, uh, you got a Dory Jackson versus Norris Jenkins. Jenkins played... Jenkins played well that year besides the Tampa Bay game, and then he called someone uh he's told someone that he word. can only he can only do his job. Like Jenkins Jenkins, like he got an interceptions that year. Again, he wasn't like some shutdown corner, but he played all right. Cornerback two was a mess, but we don't know how good Aaron like I like Aaron Robinson, but I don't know how good he's gonna be at cornerback two. Um, especially in a and they're gonna be playing with man, man, man. We don't know. I'm I'm excited to see what Aaron Robinson is. I'm a little less excited now that he may be throwing that cornerback two role. And then Darnay Holmes it's definitely better than what we had at nickel corner that year. So that's yeah. better. But also Darnay, uh, you know, may struggle a little man. And then Flaught is, uh, I, I, I'm not putting any expectations on Flaught until he goes out there and plays and, and shows something, you know, I yeah. like him, but he's, he's young and he needs, he needs more refining. 2019 may be a bad comparison exercise because that was a team that allowed the most explosive plays in the national football league. And lo and behold, it's important to kind of compare it those because the Baltimore Ravens in 2021 allowed the one of the most explosive pass plays in the National Football League, and that's where you saw Wink Martindale Wink Martindale's defense struggle. So, um, and that be- defense had press man corners, and we didn't play press man, you know. And then yeah. when they would put teams put Allen Robinson and Devontae Adams in the slot, and instead of having Janoris Jenkins follow them, James Betcher's like, nope, you you've got a Corey Valentine. This you know this is your first time ever playing in the NFL, and you've never played nickel corner. You can guard Allen Robinson on this drive. Yeah, and it sucks for Bradbury because you know he was one of the team's most sure things. Showed up, played games, twenty twenty, had like this All Pro kind of season, and that was such a really really fun season where that was a career best year for James Bradbury. And even his twenty twenty one, even though it was worse than what it was in twenty twenty, it was still on par for what James Bradbury was for basically his entire career, which is still a good football player. So it sucks that one of the few things that this, one of the few sure reliable things that this team had was a solid corner that was going to show up for you every single week. It's a shame that, uh, how to cut ties with that guy. Yeah. And also because Bradbury struggled week one, week two, people just kind of started treating him like he wasn't good. And that was a little frustrating in the James Bradbury conversation. It's like, no, he's still really good. And Adore had his best year. I, you know, I had him as the most outstanding player on the defense, but also it's like, well, he was cornerback too. You know, that's the conversation we had last year where it's like, that's what, I mean, that's why we didn't do defensive MVP at the end of the year, not most outstanding because James Bradbury played cornerback one. When we played Travis Kelsey and Darren Waller, he was on them locking those cats down. Um, so it, it's frustrating. But it's kind of it's an is it is what it is at this point. Yeah, not not Shane's fault. Even though again, I I, I would have loved. But it also to... Shane could have done other things. He could have traded like Saquon. Um, you know, there's there was other ways if they wanted to prioritize Bradbury, which again I don't blame them for not. But they weren't totally had their hand. They didn't totally have their hands tied if they wanted to keep Bradbury. This is a Shane. This isn't a he has to do this. This is a Shane wants to do this and build for the future, which is fine. Okay. Yeah, sucks, but. I uh, guess it guess it's got to be done and it's a shame that they you know you talked about it too with between the Booker contract the Rudolph contract all these bad contracts that Gettleman and company came out it's a shame that guys like James short things like James Bradbury have to go 
Yeah, and again, the Adore contract, the Galladay contract, Leonard, those contracts don't bother me. The ones that bother me are Devon, like the little, like you know, in the twenty twenties, like Devonte Booker, like why does he have that guaranteed money next year? Kyle yeah. Rudolph, why does he? You know, it was those ones were the ones that bothered me. Not you know, not Adore, not Galladay, um, and then the Leonard Williams contract bothered me, but it was like they were. Anyways, I'm not revisiting that. Yeah. Um, other news: the Giants signed. Before we get into these UDFA's, the Giants not signed. They hired. Two members to the front office. So they fired four guys, you know, four guys uh, with Chris Pettit at the top. They hired Dennis Hickey, who has got a really nice resume. He's going to be the assistant director of pro personnel the last uh, six years. He was the senior scout for the Bills. And then before that, he was the Dolphins GM for two years where Joe Shane was there under him and then worked in the Bucks before that. Yeah, so let me just say, Dennis Hickey, he was the one who promoted Joe Shane from an assistant director of college scouting to director of player personnel with the Dolphins in 2014, and now Shane obviously hires Hickey. So um, this is the first time that we've really seen, besides Brian Dable, Joe Shane bring in somebody with kind of strict ties, like, hey, I know this guy, I've worked with this guy, let me bring him in. A lot of moves that Shane has made, at least as of right now, there's still some front office stuff, I guess, that needs to be ironed out, including a director of college scouting, right? But a lot of the moves that he's made, it's, hey, I'm going to bring in somebody who's kind of fresh, who's just smart and seems to know what they're doing, and that's that. So. Yeah, I went and looked at those two draft classes. They were kind of mad. The first rounds weren't great, uh, but he got, he got some nice players in there, like Jarvis Landry stuck out um even in like the fifth round got a running back like jhi so his two years of gm were were meh um but he's definitely very qualified and, and again we don't know it's hard to judge these hires um besides those two years they have the gm for the dolphins they signed sue one of those years as well you know that was a big splash signing that didn't really work out for miami but again he's been with the bills the past six years and the bills have been pretty damn good at picking up players the last yep. six years yep and then they also signed Scott Hamill, uh, who was the Midwest scout, and then this past year was the Southeast scout for the Bears to the same position. So he's going to be – I don't know what region, but he's going to be an area scout uh, for the draft. Part of Justin – the he was the he was a scout for Justin Fields. Obviously, I don't think you'd give him really the credit for drafting Justin Fields because it's the quarterback position and the GM, assistant GM, you know, head of college scouting, they're going to be doing – just as much due diligence as the pro scout for that area. Um, but just kind of a note in there that he was the area scout for Justin Fields. Yeah, and this is a guy that does not have ties with Joe Shane. And Joe Shane brought him in, seemed to think he's a smart guy, going to do a decent job. So, um, yeah, young tendencies. guy. Was that Northwestern in their uh, personnel department uh, for a little while? No no overlap with Mike Kafka, uh, which I thought there would be, a, but they were like a year apart when they joined. Um, and then... The other huge news, Kayvon Thibodeau's got number five. Love it. Love it. He's a first-round pick, so I'm fine with him getting the single-digit number, and Graham Gano goes back to number nine. If I'm Graham Gano, I'm pulling the Jeff Fiegel's route. I'm looking at next year's QB class and being like, which QB do I have the best chance of having their number? And I guess <laughs> I think he views Bryce Young as like the future Giants QB. You know, he, ah. he took that number nine. Was he previously 9-2? Yeah, yeah, in Carolina he was number okay. nine. All right, right on. Good for Graham Gano. Get in the bag. The last time, uh, the last time somebody, uh, the last time we had a first round pick, uh, give the bag for a special teams player. Did we not win a Super Bowl that year? Not that year, but um, around that territory. I mean, it was Eli and Plax. You know, Fiegel's gave me my, you know, uh, 
Eli and Plax. Yeah. And they hooked up for a game-winning two Super Bowl touchdown. So I'm expecting the similar results. Yeah, let's, let's do that again. All right, Justin, we're going to get into these defensive UDFAs. But before that, you're going to read it out. Yes. So guess what, Bobby? Does the schedule come out Thursday? Yeah, I wish someone would just leak it. I like it, though. I'm going to get excited. So Thursday night, you're with your partner, right? You know, you're in bed, and you're looking at that giant schedule, especially you're looking at that home schedule. We can get five, six wins at home. You're getting excited. You're coming to Nashville with me. You may be coming to London. So what you got to do is when the moment for intimacy arrives, when the moment for intimacy arrives, you need to be ready. You got to be Roman ready. Whether you've been in a relationship for years or you're just getting started, having the confidence that comes from preparations means you're free to enjoy the moment and free to enjoy and visualize and picture how the Giants are going to win seven games, eight, no, over under seven and a half for Vegas, seven and a half over under Giants win total this year. Slam in the over, slam in the over. And when I take Roman and when I get hard down there, you know, get a little, get a little excited, it's going to make me feel even more confident. So even though you are far from ordinary, the truth is, is that ED is really common. In fact, 52% of men between the ages of 40 and 70 will experience some form of ED. A U.S. licensed healthcare professional, they're going to work with you to find the best treatment plan for you if medication is appropriate. It ships to you free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, convenient, and discreet. So I want you to get Roman.com slash world. Go to that site, and if you're prescribed, get $15 off your first month of ED treatment. Make sure you're ready to have the confidence and control this fall. Be ready. Roman ready. Get Roman.com slash world. All right, Justin, we got nine UDFAs. Let's freaking get into them. And let's start at the top with a guy who I think is going to make the roster. I think three, three of these defensive guys are going to make the roster, Justin. That's that's my prediction, three of them. Okay. Two of them from the same position. But the one that I feel the most confident about is safety out of Kentucky, Yusuf Corker, six foot, 203 pounds, um, combine testing, or pro day ran a four five five. Uh, four three shuttle, twenty three bench press reps. Put up a lot of numbers like at Kentucky, eighty two tackles, seventy ta- seven seventy seven tackles, seventy four tackles. Justin, he's a versatile, just yoked up safety. Like he just looks big out there. Like he he really is yoked up, and you see the twenty three bench press reps he had, which I think were the best at Kentucky. Um, what is up with Kentucky? What are they putting in the water between Corker having like a ninety fifth percentile bench press, and then Wendell Robinson having nineteen bench presses? Um, iron, putting iron in the water. Kentucky fried chicken. Uh, Justin, I think he's going to play more box reps in the NFL. Um, although I do think he can play deep, but there's some things in coverage that we'll talk about. Uh, his athleticism isn't great, but he plays with really good instincts. So he's like, he's a step ahead of like the, maybe some uh, athleticism lacking things he has, but again, he's not a bad athlete either. Good strength. And again, really brings the pop as a tackler. So, when he's playing in the box, Justin, or even not necessarily in the box, but, you know, like at that eight-yard uh, depth marker, he flies, man. He flies up. He makes uh, tackles for a loss. Like, he watched the first plays versus Georgia. Bam, shooting the gap. Nice tackle for a loss on Zamir White. Six plays later, bam, shooting the gap, getting a tackle for a loss. So, he he comes downhill fast. Like, he's a fun player to watch. And, that you know, he's got a, he's got that downhill trigger. And then when he's playing deep, I actually think he plays the deep safety zones well. Like, he reads the QB's eyes, instinctive. You know, he led to, to a couple interceptions uh, doing that. Some passes broken up. You know, again, watch Georgia. Like, there was one where he's just flat-footed, and he sees the curl coming, breaks forward on it, and gets it. 
Um, he had eight being, passes deflected as a safety in 2021, which is pretty solid. Eight. Yeah. Now, I don't think his lateral ability is great, you know, like, you know, getting getting sideways. But just that downhill trigger part of it is really good. And that's where you see it the best. Now, you can't put him in man coverage. That's one thing. Like, you put him in zone, he, he can do all right. You put him in man coverage, he's going to get abused. So that's, you know, that's... Probably the main reason he wasn't drafted because when he was in man coverage, it looked pretty damn bad. So who's a better dime backer, Corker or Belton? Definitely Belton. Belton okay. can play man coverage. I, I, Belton can definitely play more man coverage. If you're just talking about playing in the box, Corker. Like just playing play in the box versus the run, um, Corker. You okay. know, and again, and you could you could give Corker those you know those flat zones responsibilities. But he also, uh, some other flaws he has is like one, the burst on the back pedal is a little lacking. And he's a, he misses a lot of tackles for a guy that's a big hitter like him. Like misses, he had 11 uh, this past year. Way too many missed tackles. And there's times where he's coming down the alley and he plays it too aggressive and a back makes a cut off of it. And, you know, there's a 60-yard run. So, you know, when watching a player, like, you you have to like with a guy like Corker, you have to remember the flow of the game because when you're watching it on tape as like a as you know watching a draft player, like ooh that was a bad play, but you don't think about the ramifications that that bad play had on the outcome of the game. But you get excited about the fun stuff. So there's definitely flaws to Corker's game, but I think he should be on the roster. And again, the only three safeties that uh you know above him right now are are McKinney and Love, the starters, and then Dane Belton who was drafted. So. You got to get to give him a specific role as he gets better, and you got to work on his tackling. So he definitely has flaws. You can't put him in man coverage, but he's a fun player who comes up, makes big hits, and gives you really positive plays. I really thought Corker was going to be drafted. Me too. I'm surprised he wasn't. He was like, one of those guys that I was thinking about in the fifth, sixth round of like our Giants mocks, being like, "Hey, I didn't draft the safety here." Let's grab Yusuf Corker as like this box safety, you know, that we can just take. And he was a senior bowl guy as well. So um, I, I kind of did a lot of my work on him, you know, back back in January. And I don't think he's a very difficult evaluation. I just think, hey, this this he's he's a box safety. He's primarily going to be playing in the box. Uh, he wants to bring the physicality um, and wants to get involved in the run game. And I think that's the strongest parts of his game, which you've already touched on. So um, I really did think he was going to be drafted, but also at the same time, I'm not surprised he didn't get drafted in a game that is so centered around the pass. But here's the why I am surprised he didn't get drafted is because when he's in zone, he's got good instincts and he like he he sees route like he he jumps plays again. Like yeah, he has limitations. You can't put him in man coverage, but I just feel like someone's gonna make like is gonna figure out a role for him to fit. And again, I, this is why we're talking about like why wasn't he drafted in the seventh or sixth round compared to being an undrafted agent? You know, we're not talking about the difference between. Uh, second round grade and a third round grade but I just thought there's like there's too much talent there and too much ability to make positive plays for him to not be drafted so I mean that's why we're talking about him number one plus with just the position on the team like a safety we only have three safeties who are guaranteed roster spots right now so this this spot is wide open for the taking yeah so Dane Belton is one of those draft picks that just it, it just it didn't excite me that much, and especially when you consider it, it's early in the fourth round. How much of a gap is there between quality of football players between Yusuf Corker, who was undrafted, and Dane Belton, who was an early fourth rounder? I think there's a decent gap. I mean, you can trust Dane Belton. 
Yeah. Corker's more exciting though, right? Like he's just more of a fun watch, right? It, there's yeah, there's guys that are fun, but you can trust Dane Belton. You could put Dane Belton in man coverage on tight ends. You know, he can work the zone coverages and manipulate stuff like that. He's a better athlete. Um, he's not as good in the box, like nowhere near, but also like he can kind of get better at playing in the box and pull the trigger a little bit quicker where Belton can be a little uh, too, you know, too hesitant when he's lined up uh, between the tackles. So, you know, and it's not the biggest gap in the world, but there's definitely a gap where I, I trust Dane Belton uh, to go, out, uh, you know, down in, down out, where I don't trust Yusuf Corker down in, yeah. down out. And again, man coverage as, as teams spread the ball out, you know, those nickel defenders become a part of the run game. Like your run fits so much more. Well, I can, I can, I can feel comfortable throwing Belton out there to play man coverage on a tight end and play the run, where I can put Corker out there. I can trust him to go and freaking wreak havoc, but I can, I can't trust him to uh, make tackles like Belton can, and and play man coverage and have that threat. So he's just kind of a specific player, and that's why to me he wasn't drafted. Okay, Corker, in line to make some good plays on special teams during the preseason. Yeah, and, and and if they put him put his ass in the box, like he, I think he's. I mean, again, I think he's going to make the team. I just think there's a solid, like there's a trust factor with Belton, and there's not a trust factor with Corker. Right on. If he could just make, if he didn't miss so many tackles, you'd trust him a lot more because you could put him in a more specific role. Yeah. Um, and be like, just go be really good at this. But uh, that issue is there. Um, part of it is when he's coming from depth, though. Like I don't know if he'd have as many missed tackles just playing solely from the box. All right, next on the list, we got four defense alignments, so we're going to start with the guy I think has the best chance to make the roster, and that's Chris Hinton, D lineman out of Michigan, six foot four, three hundred five pounds, so a little slight of frame. Um, this didn't put up really numbers at Michigan, you know, uh, thirty two tackles this past year, uh, one sack. Like over the last three years, he had two sacks and three and a half tackles for losses. So I think he's got pretty decent athletic ability for the defensive uh, spot, defensive tackle spot. And he, what he does do really well athletics, he moves laterally. He moves laterally really well. And his strength, it isn't deficient, but it's also not a plus either. But the thing you notice about him, Justin, is he plays with really good pad level in the run using his leverage. Like he plays low, he's flexible out of his stance, and he just kind of gets low and gets those hands under the pads. Even though his first step can be a little inconsistent, but when it's on, it's on. Uh, his hands land well in the run game. In the pass game, it's frustrating because, like, dude, you have some of this athletic ability. Use your hands. Like, his hands just don't work in the pass game. Like, once he loses the rep in the pass game, he gets he gets just stuck. But at the same time, he can work laterally really well and he can embarrass an interior offensive lineman in the pass game. You know, he embarrassed Cam Jurgens a couple times. He was a second round pick by the Eagles, way overdrafted Philly. So again, he has those quick initial w- wins. He like, can work a swim, shooting, you know, jumping laterally. But once, once, uh, once that like rep has been like taken care of by the offensive lineman, it's over. Like here's what I, he's like. He's just not a reactive player to me. Like there's no counters. If he loses the initial move, his pad level rush uh, rises a pass rush or not as a run block. So he's just very reactive, you know. So but in the, in the run game. He's not going to stonewall doubles, but he's also not going to be walked back. His biggest killer is down blocks. When they're hitting him from angles, he can get pushed down the line. And that's an issue, and I think that's part of his frame and weight. And and he just needs to break hands off him. Like, he needs to use his hands better. You know, like, he's got, like, solid, solid feet, good uh, pad level. He just needs to use his hands better. And he's also never going to push the pocket back as a as a pass rusher, like, at all. So, um, 
he's not an exciting player, but I think he's just, like I think he's at that level of DJ Davidson, who the Giants drafted. Yeah, you want to know Davidson's going to do some more down in down out stuff better. It's funny. Um, in Dame Brugler's draft guide, um, Hinton Chris Hinton was ranked one spot ahead of DJ Davidson. So how do we how do we rank these guys? Who do you who do you think is better, et cetera, et cetera? So I think I like Hinton more. But I also understand the nose tackle spot is not necessarily about how quick you are laterally. Like, D- Davidson's going to hold up better versus blocks, even though I don't think he does a great job with that. There is times where DJ Davidson's pushing the pocket back. Chris Hinton is never going to do that. Now, also, DJ Davidson's not going to embarrass offensive linemen, but how often is that nose tackle going to be put in that role? So it's kind of a, a flavor thing uh, with the two. But Hinton's got a much higher ups- upside. You know he's younger. I agree with that. He's much younger, um, and he's got much better ability. I mean, I mean, Tinton was viewed as like a guy at one point, and just never really put it all together. So, like, I, I, I bet on that upside of Hinton more than I do DJ Davidson, who's going to be twenty five. And one of the things that I like about Hinton as well, um, he's not going to be playing this many defensive snaps with the Giants, even if he makes the team. Let's just say, but he averaged forty two point four defensive snaps per game. So this isn't somebody who needs to be subbed out often. Now he averaged a lot of snaps per game, but he also didn't have a lot of production. Um, so that's that's also the the downside of that. You talked a lot about leverage, and leverage is the main note that I have on on Hinton. He has he has good leverage, um, heavy hands, and he stays square at the line of scrimmage. Um, and made some plays every once in a while. That that made me go ooh. Um, compared to some of these other defensive tackles and defensive linemen, where. I didn't really find myself going, ooh, all that often. So, um, yeah, Chris Hinton, I think I do like him better than DJ Davidson. Then again, he's much younger, and I think he's got much better like track of being a better yeah. player. All right. Oh, uh, one more on thing. This. One more thing. I'm sorry. This is some. This is what I want to start off with. His father, Chris Hinton, was a tackle and a guard. He was an all-pro, and I think he was a seven-time pro bowler. Yeah, seven-time Pro Bowler. Chris Hinton from 1983 to 1995 playing for the Ravens, the Colts, the Falcons, and the Vikings. You're missing the most interesting fun fact about his father. What is it? Did you he interview him on of, Simple Man Radio? No. <laughs> he was part of the John... That that actually would make sense with the weird people that we interviewed on Simple Man Radio. He was part of the John Elway trade. Oh, yes. Yes, that is probably the funnest fact. How about that? All right. <clears throat> Next on this list, a UNC guy. We love our UNC guys at Talking Giants. Uh, we're going to be in North Carolina at the end of this month. Make sure to join. And it was Tamon Fox, edge slash linebacker, but he plays more edge out of North Carolina. 6'3". I put 260 pounds, question mark. I couldn't get an official weight on him. He didn't show up the combine. Um, and I couldn't find the height weight from his pro day. But even he, he didn't do – he tweaked his hamstring, I guess, at, at his pro day, but he put up 24 bench press reps. Um, he didn't tweak it in, like he, he performed in drills, but he didn't want to do the running drills. Um, he's played six years at UNC. So a lot of these guys we talk about have played like five, six years in college and, and that, you know, that extra year because of COVID. Yeah. It's crazy. Um, Bobby, I'm 24. I'm 24. And a lot of these guys that we're looking at, like they started college in 2016 and I started college in 2016. They started the same year that I did. And like I said, I'm, I'm 24 years old. Yeah, and, and so with that COVID year, a lot of these guys took advantage of that. So you're going to hear that with a lot of them. And that's why this year's UDFA pool is so interesting because, like, man, there's a lot of guys who maybe weren't viewed as drafted, but if they had left the year before, maybe maybe are they six, seventh-round picks? But then, you know, that, that extra year, do they 
they want to stay in the pool the draft pool gets bigger um some put up some really good stats for UNC like yeah. this past year, nine sacks, ten and a half tackles for a loss. Year before, in eleven games, seven sacks, ten and a half tackles for a loss. Year before that, seven sacks, ten tackles for a loss. Uh, even in 2018, where only had two and a half sacks, he had eight and a half tackles for a loss, and he played in 17 and 16 as well. So again, he's a very productive, I think, two-way player uh, with six years of experience. Uh, athletics, athleticism-wise, I think his it's average. It's not horrible. It's not. It's not good. It's just average, and his bend is also average, uh, uh, too. Um, very strong though, and it shows up in his base and in his upper body. Like he's he's really strong, and that shows up in the run game. I think the most, um, and his hands show up everywhere. Uh, lateral ability is nice. Uh, plays with good pad level and pop to start the snap. You know, like he he's either setting that edge, he's squeezing down the gap on the backside, or if he's rushing the passer, like he plays with good pop, uh, and his hands land and can push. Uh, you know, when he's when he's rushing the passer again, he's not going to beat you with speed or bend the corner, but he's going to put those hands and he's going to try and push that outside shoulder. And again, that's the way he got a sack on a Kemakwana was getting underneath him and pushing that outside shoulder and then getting a sack. And obviously it led to a lot of sacks. I think the only people that had more sacks than him at UNC, one was Julius Peppers. And I don't know if they kept track of him for Lawrence Taylor. Um, no. But some good names there. Um, now, that being said, he struggles to disengage his hands in the pass game. But in the run game, he disengages well. Like, he sets the edge, bam, bam, bam. They're bouncing it. Hands disengage. He's able to make tackles like that. And again, like I said, on the backside, he just squeezes the gap down really well. So he's, he's just never going to be moved off the ball. And I think he's got a good eye for the ball, too, when he's playing the run. Uh, and they put him in a lot of coverage experience, like some regular linebacker reps Yes, um, from the spot. So, so a lot of coverage, coverage experience. Yeah, I don't know if Tamon Fox makes the roster because of, where the edge spot is and how much youth is there already at the spot. And, you know, I was talking with somebody the other day. It's like, man, this, this position is really young. They kind of need some leadership in that room. Um, Jerry Hughes. That's, still yeah, that's, out there. that was, a, that was the name that really like popped out at me. Um, so Tamon Fox, there's some fun things about him. And I think he does some really good things. Well, so I think Tamon Fox's path to the roster would be this regime, not liking Ellerson Smith. Yeah. Or injury. Which that, you know, yeah. sometimes the, the path to a, a guy getting on the roster or somebody finding playing time is, it's always a lot easier than you think because things just naturally tend to work themselves out. So Tamon Fox, even though we think of this edge room as, it has a lot of depth. It may not be great depth, but it has a lot of names in there. Um, also, they also could, whether it's Ellerson Smith and O'Shane Zimenez, if they're willing to cut ties with both of those guys, right? O'Shane's gone. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I kind of hope he has no, no, nothing really personal against him, but um, I think Tamon Fox, he has some sneaky good bend, Bobby. It's sneaky. It's not like great, but it's sneaky good. Yeah, that's why I kind of say like it's at, like athleticism and bend are are both like average. They're not really good. They're not really great. He, to me, he's not gonna like bend. Like he's not gonna beat you around the corner and bend the edge no he's kind of like so, bend the edge and get up under that shoulder and push that shoulder you know yes like, yes you know, watch, like watch the chemical on his sack like he's he's got good leverage on that but in reality he's pushing up and just working leverage on that shoulder you know it's not like a, it's not like a drake jackson like man look at him bend around the corner on this play no but I, I think there's some reps against virginia and i think there's a sack against air force where you know, a, a lot of guys, they're kind of stiff. He's not stiff. I mean, hey, he not, he may not be fast, and he may not be Drake Jackson or Kayvon, where he's flying around the outside, but he can 
bend. And I'm literally talking about like bending below offensive tackles. And that's not something that everybody can do. And usually when you're talking about these undrafted free agents, you know, or if you're talking about edge rushers, you know, on day three, let alone the undrafted pool, right? It's like, oh, these guys are so stiff and they're boring. Uh, Tamon Fox right. is not a boring football player. I think he kind of plays hard too, plays with a good motor. Um, you know, the only thing is, and you were talking about this with uh, Hinton, is when a pass rush breaks down, when a pass rush play or rep breaks down, doesn't have a counter. There are some no. good starts. Like, he gets really, really good starts, whether he is, hey, I'm going to beat you with speed. I'm beating you with power a little bit here. But what if something doesn't go totally right and you don't win right away? Well, what are you going to do? you got to have that counter, and that's something right. that Tamon Fox needs to uh, needs to develop. He has a solid feel of getting to the quarterback, too, which that is a skill. If you win your, if you win your rep, if you win a play, how can you get to the quarterback? How can you get to the ball carrier? Um, and does I mean, he he had, with that, like he had some reps where it's like he didn't win the rep. QB steps up in the pocket. Your tackle doesn't know that he stepped up in the yes. pocket like that. He would disengage and get a sack like that. Yeah, which those do count. They're not the most fun sacks, but they are sacks. Does he utilize a little ghost technique from here and there? Like it's slow. It's not fast. Um, like he kind of just does a little bent. Like it's not even like a full on like lower the shoulder, but it's kind of just like I'm not touching you, and I'm just gonna kind of go go under you. I thought I saw it. I should have clipped it. Yeah, clip it, it clip it, and I want to see it because I, yeah. I it, it didn't pop out on me. Um. But I, I maybe maybe I didn't watch the same game as you. So yeah, yeah, and and he like there was he's got the power like versus Quanu was like okay he's got a little bit of you know speed and and that power to get under the corner versus Zach Tom uh, way forward he was able to bull rush him back even though Zach Tom was able to um to you know adjust well and and then and then win the rep but it's like okay he brought the power to Zach Tom. Um, so he's, he's like my pr- guy who's probably gonna be on the practice squad, but he's like my favorite guy on the practice squad, uh, and, and tomorrow Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Hope he, hope he lasts and hope he, hope he makes it there. All right. Next on this list is SeatGeek. Oh, today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code Giants. All of these UDFAs are giants. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the apps on our phones. I got the app on my phone. Do you have... Oh, maybe I can go to a freaking Yankee game now that... Actually, no, I already looked up the schedule. The Yankees don't play. Tough. Um, I already looked that up. But if they did, I would use freaking SeatGeek. Um, SeatGeek rates every ticket from 0 to 10 to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed with their buyer guarantee, uh, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry, we got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click the link in the description to download the app. Thank you, SeatGeek, for sponsoring today's podcast. Thank you, SeatGeek. All right. Next on the list, a guy who I think has a chance to make the roster too. Mm. This would be my third guy to like, you know, to I think is going to make the roster, and that is another safety. So part of it is a position out of San Diego State, Trenton Thompson, mm. six foot one, one hundred ninety six pounds. Um, you know, had three and a half tackles for loss, three picks this past year. Uh, he's another older guy. You know, he's, he's you know part of the the COVID rule. So, but I think he's an older, instinctual, versatile safety with experience at nickel, deep, and in the box. Here's the main thing and the reason why Thompson wasn't drafted for players who who's as fun as him to watch is his athleticism is below average. 
his times would have been the worst for safeties at the combine. You know, his and that's pro day numbers, which can maybe be bumped up a tick. You know, they would have been the worst for the position by far. I mean, he ran a, a seven two three cone drill, uh, a four six one forty, like some bad stuff. Now, I don't think it's like he doesn't play super slow. Like I think he's got some change of direction issues, but, um, but like it does it does show up on film. You know, it may not show up as glaring as as I those combine num or those pro day numbers make it out, but it does show up on film. Um, also his strength isn't very good. Like he really struggles to take on blocks for a guy who plays his, his type of playing style. But here's the, but he's a high IQ player with excellent route recognition when he's playing his zone covers. Like he understands routes. He knows how to get underneath. Like he's watching the QB's eyes. He's watching the routes. Um, you know, he's just a high IQ player with being able to recognize a route concepts. He's also a madman. Yes. Yes. (laughs) I'm going to get to that. Um, (laughs) Like he, he likes to stay in his backpedal and he's very quick to pounce out of it and he's got good footwork with no wasted movement. When he's in nickel, like he when he plays nickel, which he did play a lot, like it was like at that nickel corner spot essentially, you know, if the tight end was split out, he covered the tight end. He worked well in press out of it and worked in that trail technique. Now, it may give him issues in the NFL covering wide receivers, but I think he could cover, you know, some tight ends in the NFL playing that press man. So but again, like you said, he blitzes, he plays the box with urgency, and he likes to come up and make a hit. Like, he likes to freaking, you know, just be a missile at times. And and I think he forced a lot of fumbles. I think you po- pointed that out on yes. Twitter, that he forced a lot of fumbles. So he forced two... I don't have a definitive number. He had multiple forced fumbles forced on defense, but then also there's the special teams element to this too. So I want you to finish your scouting report, then I'm going to go on my little my little thing well just gonna say in man coverage the route cell would give him some issues when he was lined up but like there was a, a slot wide receiver who got drafted from utah um who he went up against and he had some really good reps for him but you know sometimes the double moves would get him so i just i just worried that he'll get beat with speed uh in the nfl um but he's a high iq player he plays like all out all the time um and again like i, I kind of see a role for him to be on the team this year I'm not saying this guy four years from now is going to be a safety on this team, but on this team, this roster, I think he has a really good shot to make the roster. Multiple block punts for San Diego State. Multiple force fumbles on special teams as well. So I think Trenton Thompson is that guy where I think the path to the team isn't necessarily that, hey, the Giants just need that safety depth. And I think you have to say this with UDFAs. I sometimes feel a little bit of corny when you're talking about special teams, and this guy's going to be a good special teamer. I'm fairly confident. I'm fairly confident Trenton Thompson's going to be a solid special teamer. And I think that's partially why you, I think that is part of the evaluation, part of why you do bring a guy in, especially in the undrafted pool. It's not like we're taking this guy in the fifth round to be a good special teamer. This is an undrafted free agent in a position of need that the Giants have need to have bodies in. And then also you can play special teams. So Yeah, just because we don't have Joe Judge doesn't mean this coaching staff doesn't care about special teams. Which they should. You should care about special teams. Yes. It's, again, just not spending a fifth-round draft pick on special teams. Um, this is this is the way to do it. And Trenton Thompson has that pedigree at college of performing well on special teams. So that's something that sticks out. It's not even like a projection. So that's what's, that's what's fun to me. Um, he's looking to make a highlight-worthy play. He's looking to make a highlight-worthy stick-hit play on somebody pretty much at all times. He's looking for that opportunity. San Diego State, by the way, watched a couple games between Cam Thomas and, you know, Trenton Thompson. San Diego State, that defense, they're a band of psychopaths. 
all of them hit hard. Hit hard. I thought it was just Trenton Thompson at first, but I'm like, no, these all these guys are just, <laughs> just like a, a band of psychopaths just looking to take your head off. Um, they run a very, very fun 3-3-5 defense, and they've produced some NFL players in the past the last few years, like Leon McFadden, uh, DeMonte Casey, which is the guy that we heard of, and Darren Hall. DeMonte Casey for the Cowboys, but for the Falcons before that. He's a heat-seeking missile. Looking for ball carriers from the safety spot, whether it's whether it's coming down from the safety spot into the box, whether it's receivers that are catching the ball over the middle of the field on the sideline, he is a heat-seeking missile that's looking to make a play. Is he an accurate? Is he a, a an athletic one? Uh, probably not, like Bobby said. But I think he's super, super fun. He does have the ball production, though, making plays on the football. Thirteen passes deflected in 2021, and three interceptions. TS tackle for loss production the last three years as well. It's all there. So Trenton Thompson is uh, the guy that I enjoyed watching the most. He is the guy that I am most excited to watch. And this is on offensive and defensive UDFA. Trenton Thompson is the undrafted free agent that I'm most excited to see him both in training camp and definitely in the preseason when you can just let this guy fucking hit someone. So he's making the roster. Oh, I want him to. I, I, I want him to make the roster. I think he definitely should. Like I'm more... Uh, this And again, this is just how my brain works because I'm a fan. I get more excited watching Trenton Thompson than Dane Belton, even though Dane Belton is a better football player. <laughs> like, by far. Yeah, I think we're going to keep, you know, five safeties. Um, and then again, that's usually where you want to keep, you pull your special teams players from is from like the safety room. Like if there's one like, hey, special teams player, what position are you pulling from? For me, it's always going to be safety. Yeah. Um, safety you know, corner. Like, yeah. Guy like Michael Thomas. Um, but speaking of corner, next on this list, another LSU guy. We got Cordell Flott. Well, now we got Darren Evans, cornerback out of LSU. Nice body. Oh, okay. I as soon as I said that, I'm like, what are you doing, body? All right. Six foot two, 179 pounds. So I guess he needs to <laughs> fill out a little more. 33, but he's got long arms. 33 and three quarter inch arms. Um, wait, how long? At 33 and three quarter inch. I have 32 and a half. I love that it's longer than I thought. That's what she said. Stop. 40. He ran a 4-5-1. So not the greatest 40, but a 37-inch vertical jump, a 4-3 shuttle, which, but a, a great three-cone draw at six, uh, six point, a 6-7-0. Um, just a long corner with not much experience. A couple safety reps. You know, not as much as flop, but a couple safety reps. Uh, I do think his athleticism is better than his testing. Um, they tried to play him in man in 2020 when he first came to LSU as a transfer. Uh, and... Texas or not Mississippi State, Mike Leach like took advantage of it, and they're like, all right, we can't play him in press man, even though he's this big dude. You got to play him in off coverage. Um, but he does spring out of his back pedal. Too many steps in it, but he does spring out of the back pedal. Um, like his footwork is very sloppy and needs a lot of work. Um, he's kind of, I think, maybe because of the way they were getting beat. Like his his focus is stopping the big play. Um, which means when a, a receiver is like working that deep sell, it, it can screw him up pretty easily. Um, and when he is in man, he can be like very handsy. Um, but there is some really good trailer reps. Uh, but again, if you're putting him in man, man, man all the time, it's an issue. Uh, to me, Evans is like a, you're just taking a guy who's a, a pretty good athlete with good size and you're going to throw him on the practice squad and see what he can turn into with Darren Evans. Yeah, I agree. I have uh, does a solid job fitting in the back pocket of players. Think he needs to turn his head in coverage a little bit more to avoid some flags when the football's in the air. Didn't record one interception with LSU in two seasons with them. 
That's a little bit concerning. Works, communicates, and plays off of safety as well. Um, always had a mouthpiece dangling at the bottom of his helmet, tied to his helmet um, from the face mask, and I think that's significant because I think that looks cool. Hopefully you still have a... LSU you, corners just look cool. They do. Hopefully you still have a mouthpiece in your mouth, but uh, um, that, Jabril Peppers did that. Jabril Peppers would have a mouthpiece in his mouth and then like the, the, the mouthpiece also dangling from his face mask. Um... I had one game that I watched that they played almost every rep, and that was against Texas A&M. And then the rest that I attempted to watch were infrequent reps. So some of these guys that we're going to be getting to now, like they weren't even like full-time starters. I forgot one guy. We went out of order. We were supposed to do Andy Valentino before this. Oh, well, that's okay. Well, I'm, I'm done with Darren Evans. You're cool. Good. All right, so we're going to have to do back-to-back Florida defensive tackles who transferred, and we're going to start with Antonio Valentino, defensive tackle out of Florida. Six foot two, two hundred ninety-eight pounds, so a little little light for that defensive tackle spot. Um, had a sack and three tackles for a loss in ten games this past year. He was a starter at Penn State before transferring to the Florida Gators. Smaller player, but he is very active with a high motor. Uh, like he's my second guy out of these defensive tackle groups, even though we're going to talk about Truesdale and maybe Truesdale has more to offer to an NFL roster, but like Valentino might be my second favorite. Um, his athleticism is average for the spot, um, which it is average for a guy who's playing defensive tackle at 298 pounds is what I, is how I should frame it. You know, if he was 325 pounds, you'd like pretty good athleticism, but he's 298 pounds. So it's, it's average for that spot. Um, his strength isn't good, but he does hold up pretty well versus the run. Um, but he can get his base skinny and, and knocked off balance in the pass rush game. But he's got a quick get off. He like, he times up the snap really well at times where he's just, you know, he's beating a guy off the ball. And again, the, here's the thing you notice with him. Very active feet and hands. I mean, they never stop working. His hands are constantly fighting, countering. His feet are go, 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 go. There was a sack, uh, a strip sack he got. I, I can't remember verse who, but it was like, man, his, it's because his motor never stopped going on this play. Like he had to go through like three different blocks to end up getting into this verse, a QB who you know was running around all over the place um you know and again unlike chris i wish chris hinton had like the mindset of hands and feet the way that valentino does because he's just constantly breaking hands off him working counters you know working his initial move and the feet just never stop working um i think he's best when he's attacking the half man and trying to push that uh, outside shoulder of the offensive lineman that's where he gets his best results um and he'll have wins in the run but he's not he's just not going to be a run stuffer um Valentino, man, he's he's interesting. It'd be, it'd be interesting to see if he can fill out a little bit, you know, add 15 pounds and keep the feet active uh, and, and be able to move the way that he does. Yeah, a lot of my notes coincide with, with what you're saying. And if I could really just summarize it in one point, it's just always working, always working, always looking to, to, to win, always looking to get free, always, whether it's with his feet, whether it's with his hands, he's kind of always just working to break free from alignment or just, you know, not getting pushed back, whether it's in double teams. I know I don't find that he's getting his ass kicked consistently uh, on special teams either. And there's even uh there was even one uh one play I forget who I was watching against, but he was getting double teamed. Um, there's even three guys that got a that got hands on him at one point, broke free, made a play. So um, Antonio Valentino was a kind of a you know for for a boring defensive tackle, he's fun. Yeah, I think he's he's <laughs> the most fun out of the four. Yeah. Um. The next one might be the most boring, but he might have the best chance to be on the roster. And that's Tyrone Truesdale, uh, defensive tackle for Florida who transferred from Auburn. 
Um, he actually had better film at Auburn, too, when you go and watch it. Yeah, which that was frustrating. I literally went back to 2019. to. I, I actually watched him versus Shane Lemieux, 2019. Yeah, and I watched him versus like Ole Miss in, in Alabama from 2020. Um, six foot two, 335 pounds. And remember that weight because that matters. Um, had zero sacks, zero sacks, zero tackles for loss. Again, he wasn't like the lead man in the rotation, that defensive tackle group like Val- Valentino played more than him at Florida. In 2019, the year you mentioned, like he had three sacks, five tackles for loss. Now, that was a really good defensive line. Remember Derek Brown, Nick Coe? Like that was a yeah. good defensive line at Auburn, um, which probably helped him. But to me, he's a big run-stuffing defensive tackle who should align at nose tackle in the NFL every single time he's on the field. Like put him at nose tackle, even though Auburn would, you know, Auburn and Florida didn't always put him there at that spot. So he's got bad athleticism, um, and he doesn't come off the ball quickly, but he has he's he's got that strong solid base he's the only one of these guys who's not going to be moved by a double team at all like he those feet stick in he he has that double team i wish there was more punch and pop in his hands but he's got that strong base you know there there was a play versus old miss where they tried to they essentially had three guys working for him and he kind of split them and then helped make a tackle um but his feet are slow and lumbering um you know he just but he just doesn't give up any ground and he holds versus double teams really well uh, so it's not fun. It's not exciting as some of the other guys, but Justin Ellis does that. You know, Justin Ellis gets no tackles for a loss, no sacks, no great pass rush reps, but he's got a career because he holds up versus double teams really well, you know, and, and that might be why Truesdale has the best chance out of these four defensive tackles we're talking about to get there. Um, the issue is in zone. He gets easily, st- that, that was one more note, uh, a negative in, in zone runs. He gets just steered all over yeah, the that's, place. That was my main note. Um, and I think Oregon, they ran a lot of that. And that was one of the games that I watched. And I'm just like, he is just getting washed, washed off, off the line, you know, when they're, when they're going on those down blocks. So, um, that, that was not, that was not fun. Um, he's got zero pass rush ability, like zero. Yeah. Yeah, and really, I I agree with you. Like the how how he's gonna make the team, and I'm I'm trying to I'm trying to disagree with you, but I can't. It's like how you're gonna make the team is if you're just big and you're strong and you don't get moved, even though there, you don't do a lot well. And there's other guys that do things better than what Truesdale does. That's how you can make a team. Yeah, that, I mean that's really his only path at this point. Yeah, he had one good play against Shane Lemieux though. Twenty nineteen, I clipped it. I put it out on Twitter. It was a fourth and one. It was a big fourth and one too in the second half. Fourth and, he and had one. Three sacks and five tackles for a loss that year. Yeah, for, but a fourth and one. I think this is in a bowl game too because Oregon and Auburn are. are, are it was the opener. It was the excuse me. It was the opener. Yes, because Shane Lemieux had that nice uh, the first play of that season. He had a nice pancake. But uh, uh, Tyrone Truesdale. One of those reps, fourth and one. Ball's coming to his side, Shane Lemieux's side, and he kind of stonewalls him, extends him, pushes him in the backfield, and makes a tackle for loss, and it's a turnover on down. So there you go, Tyrone Truesdale. Good play against Shane Lemieux. All right, why don't you read the ad before we get into these last two players who are yeah, so very Bob excited. Skinner. So, slide into stacks of cash this baseball season with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Medjolay Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. I wonder if people think, because if they've heard me say Major League Baseball the last couple ad reads and I say Medjolay Baseball, I wonder if people actually think that that's how I say it. 
Maybe I'll just keep saying it and make people believe it. Looking to turn a small bet into a big payday during the MLB season? With DraftKings Same Game Parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, how many bases will be stolen, total runs, and more. It's your shot and an even bigger payout. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY. Bet just $5 and get $150 in free bets no matter what happens on the field. That's promo code JOHNBOY at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Majelay Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and will be trademarks used with permission. All right, Justin, let's talk about a guy from my own Florida Atlantic University, FAU. Um, Howard Schellenberger started that damn program. May he rest in peace. I went on an official visit to FAU. How fun fact. Oh, did you enjoy it? Yeah, they actually played some games with my heart. I wanted to go there and they didn't offer me. Six foot one, 182 pounds, but I still love FAU. Ran a four four nine forty, forty inch vertical jump um at his pro day, but bad uh change of direction drills in the shuttle four two nine, three cone drills, seven three two. Um another super senior. Uh, who with a lot of with with good experience playing press and off the ball, um, and a few safety reps as well too. You know when they would rotate. Uh, so he transitioned. Line. He transitioned from safety to cornerback after the twenty seventeen season. I didn't know that so after the twenty seventeen season. God, yeah, that's how long these like, these guys have been around. <laughs> so I, I didn't know that. Uh, straight line screen is good. Um, he, like he's not a guy who get should get run pe- ran past, but the change of direction isn't great. Like he struggles to burst out of his back pedal. I was watching a game of his um, from 2020, and they were running curl routes, and it was like he's IDing these. He's just not able to get there on a lot of them. You know, a few he did, uh, but he wasn't able to just like they you know they completed like I guess like th- three out of the seven curl routes they like targeted him on they completed which um not the not horrible like i would take three for seven and those are short yeah. average depth of target plays yep. but it was like you could just see it doesn't have like that spring out of his back pedal the way a guy like flop does you know for example um so uh there he, he looks comfortable and press with his length but he's weak you know like and that shows up in the run game maybe not as much as like a press corner uh in college because he's playing against smaller competition, but I think in the NFL he's going to struggle with that. Guys just working through his press coverage and, and being able to um, to stack him. So it's it's something he needs to get stronger or you just play him off um, because when you see him in the run game, like he just gets he just gets bullied around. Um, you know, so that so I think he's going to struggle with some of those physical wide receivers if he does make it to the league. Um so I think he fits best in off. Like he's got a good route combo ID and zone. Like he doesn't get baited into the things. They, there was times where they tried to get the double moves, and it was like, nope, I'm on top of that. Um, so Zion Gilbert, man, uh, he's got some good athletic traits. He's he's long. Um, I don't think he's ever gonna play in the NFL though. I love guys that have good ball production and that can make plays on the football. 28 pass deflections over the last three years. In particular, there was a 10 spot in 2019 with 10 PDs and 12 in 2021. And if you're fast and you got arms that are longer over 30 inches, right? Zion Gilbert has arms arms that are longer than 30 inches? Yes. Hey, you got a shot, kid. Make some plays on the football. Make something happen in training camp. You never know. Maybe nickel corner. This could be where he could find his role, like you know, being a little like a guy maybe you trust a little more in man coverage, in that nickel corner spot. 
Um, I I think that's where his role is because I just struggle. I just think he's going to struggle with physical guys on the outside. Um, you know, so I think you you'll put him, you move him into the slot and and see what he can do there. Even though we have like 19 slot corners on the team right now. <laughs> All right, last last player of real draft coverage, Justin. That's Jabari Ellis, defensive tackle out of South Carolina, six foot one, two hundred seven eight pounds. So he's got a small frame for that defensive tackle spot. Um, just a small frame for defensive line in general. Uh, put up 28 bench press reps, so he's got some really nice strength in his upper body. Um, 27 in his vertical jump. Ran a 4.7 shuttle. Or, nah, I thought that was a 40. He ran a 4.7 shuttle, uh, a 7.69 three-cone drill. Didn't put up much stats. Five tackles for a loss this past year, 41 tackles. I guess he put up, like, over five tackles a game. or not, f- But he put up some tackles. Justin, to me, he's an undersized block shedder. Um... He's a to me. He's a block shedder, not a block eater. Uh, and they line him up from nose to three technique. If he's going to play in the NFL, it's going to be three to five technique. Um, and his athleticism for his size is an issue. Like he's not able to finish plays. And you got if you're going to be playing that position at 278 pounds, you got to be able to finish plays. And he's not able to do that. Um, and his lower body strength is lacking. Um, but he does have that strong upper body, which I said leads to him being a block shedder. Like his hands land well. He works with good leverage throughout the rep. Um, you know, he can rise at times and, and not have a lot of foot drive, uh, when reading the, sorry, he can rise at times with no foot drive when reading the ball carrier. Um, his hands are quick though. Like he's got quick hands. I put together a compilation of like him working his hands and w- having quick initial wins on the reps, you know, so he sheds block and he works those quick initial moves. Um, but he just, he just doesn't have the speed or the leg drive to finish after those lateral wins. Like if he works outside in, it's like awesome, great initial move. He doesn't have the speed to embarrass the guy and hit the and get to the quarterback. He doesn't have the strength to power through that inside shoulder. So he's kind of just a tweener at the defensive tackle spot. Um, and if he doesn't have that initial and he doesn't push the pocket back, um, in the run game, he can he's like he's he'll shed and he'll lead to like run stops that are one or two yard loss uh, gains because like he's kind of got his hands. He's reading court, you know the running backs coming through that lane. He'll shed. And, and, and tackle that running back. Um, but he does get walked back on single blocks and, uh, double teams regularly. So you just got to be better strength wise. He's just too small, Justin. That's why we're talking about him last. We did it. It's, it's kind of reminded me of like Raymond Johnson, but not as fun as Raymond Johnson. No, Raymond Johnson had like legit moves and athleticism. Jabari Ellis does not have that. <laughs> Yeah, but I remember when we talked about Raymond Johnson last year, it's like, man, there's some really nice wins. He just needs to finish the play better. So part of me is like, would would Jabari, would, I don't would want, Raymond I don't Johnson look him. like this at South Carolina? I don't even want to compare him. Mostly because I met Raymond Johnson of, of walking out of a bathroom, and I don't want to compare Jabari Ellis to him. Johnson's, I think it's bigger. What's Raymond Johnson's height weight? Love I just remember Johnson. having a, a lot of the same, like, talking points 63269 he's only 269 pounds yeah I, I don't six... I don't think he was bigger he he's small Raymond Johnson's small I don't think I don't I don't think he's gonna make it through this year unfortunately yeah probably not um I may grab mean... a meal with him at the Candlewick diner again how about that all right Justin that's a freaking episode we did, we did it. it we 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 covered over 100 players the last uh month and a week or so I mean let's see in the pre-draft we hit I think um, like 75 players. Sure. No, no. When you think about the mock, we hit eight. 
Yeah, we did. We we previewed or recapped over a hundred players this past, um, this past month and a, and a week. So appreciate you guys for supporting. If you are someone that's listening to the defensive undrafted free agent um, review, really do appreciate you guys. Um, I always get emotional finishing off this this type of uh, you know these these this type of this this time because it, a lot of work goes into it. So. Um, but we're gonna have a lot of fun stuff over the month. Some cool interviews, um, some ones we've been holding out on. Um, some, so we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot of fun. We do really appreciate you guys. Any last words for our draft coverage, Justin? See you next year. It's gonna Goodbye. be bigger and better next year. Bigger and better next year. Um, so we do appreciate you guys. We'll see you on Friday. We got a mailbag. I'll put out the tweet on Wednesday, so we have a little more time to vet some of the questions. So. Uh, Until then, let's go Big Blue.